M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. Is there something you know that we don't know? Is someone coming for our pussy? This is Emsolation. That is the most ridiculous thing I've ever said. Oh, I didn't think of that. Fuck, that's what I've been getting wrong. And just remember, if it's too fatty, just heat it up. You're in Emsolation. If that's not in a promo somewhere, I don't want to live anymore. Hello, my darlings. How are you? Welcome to Emsolation. Week commencing Monday, the 12th of October. Week 9 million, 1,000, 2 trillion, billion, kichillion week of lockdown. <laughs> Diaries for me, for Melbourne. Oh, guys. Look, if you follow me online, you know, mummy hit the wall on the weekend. I, I've been going through phases, obviously, but I really, the tank, I ran out. I... Dan Andrews had a press conference on Friday that basically said, look, we're not going to be able to be as aggressively opening up the state as we'd like to be because our numbers aren't down enough because obviously next Sunday, the 19th, 18th, around there, um, we were due to kind of maybe, you know, take the reins off a bit, get out and about, no more 5Ks, no more, who knows, whatever. And I don't think that's going to happen as hard as we thought it might. And then... <laughs> I just felt intellectually I know that we need to do these measures, right? I get it. I'm not fighting that. I I understand. I want to get it right. I don't want any more people to die. I don't want want any more people to get sick. But mentally, I'm empty. I'm I'm out of done. (laughs) And I just, on the weekend, felt really flat. And I I said to Scott, I I can't face another week of Monday morning waking up and going, oh, stuck. But I'm not stuck, I'm safe, aren't I? Oh, my God, someone said that to me. I thought, I'm going to slap you. But then he, over the weekend, said that perhaps things will be lifted a bit. So I feel a bit better today. But also I've been dealing with Elio. His molars are erupting. Molars erupting. Isn't that the most visceral description? Erupting molars. And he... He wakes up so angry. So my charming little boy, he normally wakes up singing, has started waking up with ferocious anger. He's so mad. It's like someone has insulted his ancestors. He's someone during the night has robbed his house, smashed his car up, taken his woman, fired him from his job. It's like think Michael Douglas in Falling Down. You know that movie where he's trying to get to his kid's birthday party and he loses it in the middle of the highway and he gets out of his car and he storms off and he leaves his car. That's Elio. Elio is the baby equivalent of Michael Douglas in falling down. And I didn't know what's going on. And he's just, and he will only sleep if his head is in the crook of my neck and he won't eat anything other than porridge and mincemeat. That's it. He'll, he has, a, a, it, and I have to sneak vegetables in. And the only way to get him to eat fruit now is a smoothie and mealtime has got so much, I have so much anxiety around the food situation, around the anger, like the whole thing. And then finally I just, I just gave into it. I realized I was doing the thing again and and I know better. I know that I need to just roll with stuff, that he'll sort himself out. That my two of my big girls are fine. They are toilet trained. They don't just eat one color of food. They're very well-rounded individuals. They both went through this phase, but not as aggressive as he is. He's very aggressive. But I just like, oh, why am I beating myself up about giving him porridge for dinner? He's eating something. And I'm like, why am I beating myself up about the fact that 
he sleeps in the bed with that we co-sleep. But that's okay because there's going to come a time where he's going to be sweaty and grunty and shut the door in my face and probably like, I don't know, what do teenage boys do? Masturbate into sports socks? Is that what they do? Every American teen movie has led me to believe that there is a stiff sports sock under a teen boy's bed. (laughs) Ew. So I just, yeah, it's been a culmination of Elio not sleeping, I'm not sleeping, lockdown, the whole thing. But, yeah, I, I just wanted to remind you all that be kind to yourself, it's, especially if you're in Melbourne, it's been a weird, tough time. And I've had a lot of new mothers contact me because I kind of spoke about the troubles we've been having with Elio's teeth and life and a lot of you new mothers saying, you know, thank you for reminding me to just hold the space. And especially as a mum, holding the space is hard, not wanting to rush in and fix it and also not feeling guilty and bad about something your kid's doing that, you know, may not be perceived as a milestone or normal or you're not, you're not hitting the targets that you want to hit as a parent. Sometimes you just have to not solve, but you just have to hold the space around your kid while they go through whatever they're going through. That's your job. Not to, but the instinct for me, especially, and and I'm sure a lot of you feel the same way, is to solve, is to fix, is to not have any pain go on. But it's not. You've just got to put your arms up, give them the time, give them the space and just let them kind of guide you, which is tough because I'm a control freak. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough sort of rambling. God, this is so cathartic. You can skip through if you want. This is just me because I can just kind of working through shit with a little microphone in my hand. All right. Well, it's time to bring in my best friend in the whole world who I miss desperately, who I want to see, who I want to sit in a park and day drink with. That was also sad. I really miss Michael Lucas being in the same spot as him. I miss my best friend. Um, He's about to come in and we're going to talk about Emily in Paris. It's a deep dive into the Netflix phenomenon that is Emily in Paris. I will pre-warn you, I hated it and I loved it in equal measure. It gave me life. He also killed me on the inside a little bit, as I imagine it did most French people who watched it. We talk about the fly because we have to. We, we talk about the speed at which the memes came out about the fly and we talk about, you know, these final weeks in lockdown and how we're both feeling. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for listening. I'm just so glad you're all on board. This, I feel like we've painted ourselves a little corner in the universe, you emsolators. All right, let's go. Play the music. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is Emsolation. All right. Well, we've both had mini psychological breakdowns over the weekend, (laughs) (laughs) resulting in one of us having to retreat to Still Magnolias and the other one just really going off the grid. (laughs) I mean, it would be good to get a reading on the Richter scale of our breakdowns. My money would still be on you. Um, yeah, but I have to hold it together better than you do because I have people around me. So mine are usually really kind of delicate in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet in the corner so no one hears me. Oh, that's, yeah, okay. Do you know, like I can't walk around the house, you know, like Michael Douglas and falling down. Yeah. (laughs) Just, just, this isn't fair. Uh, So, look, we have a lot to talk about. We haven't spoken since well, we have spoken, we haven't spoken on the podcast since the VP debate. God, twenty years ago, yeah, twenty years ago, Carmela V Pence. But as I was watching live with my daughter, who I'm so proud has taken such an interest in this election, I've decided she's earned the right to watch West Wing with me. So- <laughs> she's earned the she's reached the hallowed status. Correct, she can now correct. be bestowed upon her. Yeah, I put my arm on her and I said, "Do you know what? 
I think you've earned the right to watch West Wing with me, season one, ep one, top to bottom. You finish your uni stuff. You've got three weeks to go. That'll be your prize. She's like, oh, thanks. <laughs> West Wing's a bit of an odd watch at the moment as well because it's such a dignified White House. <laughs> no, it really is. But for me, when obviously everyone knows by now, when the fly landed on Pence's head, I turned to my daughter and said, oh, well, that's it. So it doesn't matter what they say now. It's all <laughs> about the fly. People were frantically tweeting our show. We were getting messages, the fly, the fly. And within, I reckon, a minute, the first meme landed. Don't you yeah. reckon? Yeah. Oh, and how many Twitter accounts did The Fly have instantly? <laughs> and then Tony, our producer, sent us an article last night of The Fly Halloween costumes have sold out nationwide in America. <laughs> <laughs> People have really got on board with The Fly. And there's there's also been um, racial issues around The Fly. Don't worry, The Fly's oh, already had its controversies. Right. Because people were said the fly was Mike Pence's only black friend and then black people were like, are you saying that we are flies? Are you comparing us to flies? And very rightly we're offended and then everyone's like, ugh. So the flies are already here. But I just couldn't believe how fast it was over with the fly. I was sick of the fly memes an hour after it happened. <laughs> yeah, Saturday Night Live last night did a um, – their whole gag about the fly was they had Jim Carrey as Joe Biden and he used the teleporting machine used by Jeff Goldblum in the fly to teleport himself to the <laughs> debate and ended up as the fly. And it was so elaborate and it already did feel dated. It felt like, oh, my God, with the fly. We're still on the fly. <laughs> it's terrifying how fast things move now, how fast, like if you're a creative now, the race is on. As soon as something like that happens, a massive incident that hits the zeitgeist right in the balls, straight away, like they must feel panic. There must be meme panic. There must be people. There must be. We're going to do. Okay, I'm going to be the fly's publicist. I'm going to be the fly's mum. There's all these different angles. Unless you get out hard and early and strong, you've got no chance when it comes to these meme Olympics with something like that. I would say though that even though the fly was the most attention grabby thing and it it went hard and strong and has already burned out, I do think that Kamala's facial expressions will stand the test of time. Agreed. I think that we'll be doing memes of them for many years to come. Oh, yeah, they'll be in our phones soon. Like the Pelosi clap, the slow clap mm. in the white jacket. Kamala's mansplaining bitch please face yeah. every time Pence spoke or interrupted her. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Well, <laughs> I'm speaking. Like a fine wine. It was vintage meme stuff. Well yeah. done, Kamala. <laughs> <laughs> She's even won the meme game. Yeah. It was just, it was such, a, we won't dwell on it too much because it is old news. But for me watching it, I just felt a sense of, oh, this is good. I felt like mum and dad had taken it. Like Pence is just awful. Um, but it was still at least, you could watch it and feel like, isn't this sad? It was just, it was a proper debate. Yeah. <laughs> it was a proper debate. Oh yeah, and a lot of it was appropriately boring. The way you want, po- the way I miss Correct. politics being. Oh yeah, I picked my phone up about twenty times during the other one. I couldn't, I couldn't look away. It was a slow car crash. <laughs> but there's a few times I was talking about the debt and stuff, and I picked up my phone to check out the fly memes that were already out. But yeah, no, I, I, um, I'm glad. And the second debate's been cancelled, as I predicted. So. Oh, magical unicorn <laughs> doing a trot of victory. There's a piece of Trump news today that, and we'll end our Trump chat here because we don't. Wanna, we've got so much coming up in the next few weeks. We just want to like build. 
But <laughs> as though we haven't already hit so many peaks and explosions. Anyway, yeah, we've this literally done 40 minute live Insta stories <laughs> discussing, but no, let's build. Yeah. People love that. And we can do another one this week, I'm sure, on Friday. Now, you're going to love this. I'm so excited to be breaking this news story to you, although I'm sure you'll have read it. So, President Trump. Apparently, mm. as he was um, had an idea for a stunt as he was leaving the hospital. So he was on a bunch of calls and he's like, guys, guys, I've got an idea. He wanted to <laughs> he wanted to walk out of the hospital like kind of hunched over and limping and looking really frail. This is exactly what he wanted. Yeah. And then he wanted to stand up suddenly in front of the press, rip off his shirt and underneath be wearing a Superman outfit. Oh. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, I have to say, you know what my initial gut reaction to that? I'm annoyed at the advisors that said don't do it. Me too. That would have been iconic. That would, and it would have Imagine buried Imagine the him. memes. Buried the, fly, the fly would have not have stood a chance. Fly v. Trump in Superman outfit? Forget it. No one would have even noticed the fly. I think yeah. I'm so annoyed. Apparently Trump spoke about it on multiple phone calls. Can you imagine being the advisor on the end of that phone call? So you're there, you're like, hi, 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 President Trump. He's like, I've got an idea. And you're like going, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And then how do you remain composed? How do you go, okay, yeah, yeah, that's a thing. So (laughs) let's talk about it. And you'd just be panicking, looking around the room, pointing, wildly pointing at other people. And he said this to multiple people. I'd be desperately trying to find a logic, like using my my weird dilemma doctor's method of trying to go. No, I really, I love that idea. I love it. Um, But I'm, but I actually think we save that one. We save that one for, we do it for election night. That's when we really, yeah, it'll haunt you But if you do it now, but save it for election night, the full, the full pull out. And imagine him in the Lycra, like, was he thinking of donning like stripper style suit where everything was Velcro and it just ripped off? Or was he going to do the whole button rip? And then and what would it did be the one Superman- of the padded ones as well, the fake muscle ones? Because we do, we wouldn't want a real tight no. outline of Donnie's torso. No, I just wonder about his torso in the lycra. Yeah. I'm really sad this didn't come to fruition. Like, like I'm genuinely sad because I think this would have been a, a galvanising moment for everyone. Like, I just feel like we would have all come together and gone, he really is batshit crazy. Yeah. Like, it's just... <laughs> I the thin line <laughs> between the U.S. presidency and terrible Las Vegas wrestling had completely dissolved. Well, I'm glad I was the person that brought that information to you. That's yeah. exciting. I'm gonna, it's going to take some reflection time for me to let that fully sink in. I just will never stop thinking about the person who had to take the idea in first. For me, they're the true American hero. I, I really want to... I really want that person to do a sit-down tell-all with Barbara Walters at some point. I'm oh, the person- it's coming. Every single person that has anything to do with Donald Trump at one point, and they often get to do Australia, I, Anthony Scaramucci, who was like <laughs> lasted right. about two weeks about three years ago, he's still roaming around doing pop-ups on Australian television. Someone, someone out there will do a tell-all about that. Oh, they all will. The second they're kind of unleashed from their NDAs, I'll tell yeah. you, there's just going to be a parade of ex-Trump employees. 
So we'll, and we'll if he does lose big, there will be a whole industry oh, oh, in, yes. in people saying, oh, I was a witness to the disaster because they'll be <laughs> completely, re- they won't have to suck up to him anymore and no. it'll just, it'll, oh, man, it'll go for oh, years. That's crazy. It's crazy. Speaking of crazy, um, I was in such a bad state. I consumed a show called Emily in Paris in two days. <laughs> and I... I it's made by Darren Starr, who obviously did Sex in the City and Younger. Um, oh, and please let's not lead off leave off his nineties credits. Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero and Melrose Place. He's basically Sorry. delivered Sorry. the television viewing experience of our lives. You're right. I did leave off my two favorite shows. Um, oh God, I used to love. My mum made me stop watching Beverly Hills nine hundred two one zero because she said it gave me a bad attitude. West Beverly isn't like other schools. Kids here are richer. Some of their parents are celebs. So it's definitely not your normal high school. I used to have to try and sneak watch it and I used to try and figure out how I could record it on a VHS without her hearing the whirring of the VHS. But so much of my life was dedicated. Did you prefer Dylan or Brandon? No, see, I was too, I was just too far in some sort of closet at that point. I wasn't really tuning into it on that level. So were you you like thinking, am I Kelly or Brenda? (laughs) Like, were you like doing that? (laughs) No. You you know who you were? I knew I was Dylan. You were no, you were Andrea Zuckerman. <laughs> I 100% was spiritually because she was 40 when she was making 40. that show. Yeah, she was 40. She was she was playing a 16 year old at 40. You were definitely I feel Andrea. like I did. Did she end up in real life being a lesbian, Gabrielle Cateris? I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not aware. I'm not aware of her sexuality. She might have. I just remember always hating Ian Zeering, who played that. Oh, Steve. yeah. And Melrose Place, I used to go to the saloon bar in Turak in Melbourne on a Tuesday night. Yeah. And with sawdust on the floor. And we would go there and we'd have Madeira Illusion Shakers and we would watch Melrose Place. And it was just the greatest night. Every Tuesday night was so fun. Oh, my God. Anyway, Emily in Paris is so far from <laughs> Emily Cooper. Bonjour. Bonjour. I got a feeling I'm in trouble when I uh, I'm Emily. You're a new neighbor. I, I had high hopes. I mean, I was skeptical of the great reviews because I was like, really, it looks kind of insipid and shiny. But Did you okay. see great reviews? I saw. I saw mostly people saying this is terrible, but I can't stop watching it. No, well, I read like it. It did well on like Rotten Tomatoes, mm. and like it. It was in the top ten in Netflix straight away, and it was like recommended to me. It was my most recommended. So I'm like, and Marcella really wanted to watch it because, you know, she, that's kind of pitched right at her. So he sat down to watch it and I it, I just don't even know. I watched it, I consumed it with like a hungover teenager eating McDonald's on a mm. Sunday morning. Mm. It was, it was it's, the, it's the television equivalent of McDonald's. Totally. It is. It is light and fluffy. There is no substance, but it is the most cliched thing. I had so many. I laughed. I hate laughed so many times during the episodes, yet I was completely transfixed. I couldn't. I had to consume it all. I had to eat it all. I had to gorge myself on it. I didn't want to break. I thought about it when I wasn't watching it. (laughs) I've come to the conclusion that Emily in Paris has become so successful, even though it's not very 
good because of coronavirus. Oh, 100%. It's, do you think? It feels like it's been put together by an algorithm that's been reading <laughs> corona-depressed people, sort of going, oh, yeah, yeah, Why have you, you've watched Devil Wears Prada four times. You've, yeah. You're going back to Sex and the City. I see, I see. Okay, well, what about if we put all that together, put it in Paris yeah. and just sort of lower the IQ a little bit? How do you feel about that? Don't worry, we'll give you the dresses. You've come to teach the French some American tricks. Notice this is a very dysfunctional workplace. I think you're the one bringing the drama. You got that something that I am. I'm so glad we're friends. So you're single in Paris? Well, oh, and Patricia Field does the costuming who did all of Sex and City. Mm. So don't worry, we got the costumes. The whole premise, it starts very quickly. It's over in five seconds. Like, basically, mm. it's the quickest premise ever. Emily works at a marketing, marketing firm in the US, then all of a sudden she gets transferred to Paris. We'll she need to talk about her job and her job skills, which are, that, well, that was one of the main things that, that was mystifying me throughout. Right. Don't get me started. We're going to get to the friggin' hashtags. Yeah, exactly. So so she works at a marketing firm and then she gets transferred to Paris. She quickly breaks up with her boyfriend. Not a tear is shed. The the American boyfriend is cast off so, so quickly and he was the guy she was was engaged to and get, get engaged to. Yeah. So, you know, like and they broke up and like she fucking strapped on a beret and strapped on a French man very quickly. So that was enjoyable. And then she becomes an influencer, basically. That's the storyline. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It goes at a hell of a clip, the first. It gets her there. So, and you kind of need it because, it, you know, you might stop and question, gee, would, would a woman who didn't know a word of French really get a job as an influencer? In, I mean, that seems Well, she's not even that. She's a, remember, she gets a job at a top French marketing firm that deals with luxury brands doesn't speak a stitch of French, she is able to afford one of her outfits I calculated was about $30,000. Right. Just one of her outfits because she was wearing head-to-toe Chanel and I did then go on Net-A-Porter and the Chanel website and price it all up. She had Chanel pearls on. She had the Louis Vuitton, she had the whole whole thing. The shoes were like, I don't know, $1,200. The shoes were insane and and I – I kept thinking, I mean, it's one thing for Carrie Bradshaw to be, I really believe Sarah Jessica Parker does totter around New York in those shoes, but those shoes in Paris has a lot of cobblestones. That's correct. what I was thinking. <laughs> so correct. And the way, oh, I don't even know. I'm so, so much hate watching, but I loved it. I want I want everyone to leave this conversation knowing that if you watch it, you will, it's thoroughly enjoyable, just on a superficial level, because Paris looks beautiful. You don't come to Paris to be good. Sexy. Oh, would you stop? Paris is the most exciting city in the world. You never know what's going to happen next. It's so stunning, but the problem is if you if you're an alien watching this show, apparently there's no Asian people in Paris except her sassy sidekick. Um, and there's only one black man in Paris also apparently, which is her other sassy sidekick. So far there's never been any change of weather in Paris that I've been watching either. It is an absolute beautiful balmy summer day every single time she steps out. And also there's no no rubbish in Paris apparently, and I have spent time in Paris. Paris is a heaving, sexy, grimy, there's graffiti everywhere. Yeah, it smells. There's there's street, there's like street markets. Yes, there's street markets full of regular looking people. Not women in berets and scarves taking pictures of the Eiffel Tower and getting 20,000 followers because she hashtagged it Emily in Paris. You know, like, and that 
As someone who is an influencer, for me, the most offensive thing was yeah. her shit content I know. versus mass following that happened from it. I know. It's one of the hardest things in drama is to depict something going viral because the <laughs> fact of the matter is, in real life, the things that go viral are often random, great, uh, you know, things that uh, pop up spontaneously. And to sit down and try and think about it and write a story about it. But I have to say, even though it is difficult, they've still come up with shit for this. It's like, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> and come some on. of the ideas that, go, that apparently go viral, oh, Chella and I were sitting there going, I feel sorry for people who work in marketing that have to watch this show. Forget the Parisians. Yeah. The poor bitches who work in marketing would be watching this going, that's not what we do. We don't just – we do more than this. (laughs) We don't just fucking go and do selfies and write stupid hashtags. One of her hashtags was actually just like flowers. She just wrote the word flowers. Yeah. And apparently all roses match all outfits. Like it was just the whole thing. I mean – but at the same token, stunning. It's it's a stunning. <laughs> I'm going to give away the cliffhanger of the first episode, and I don't feel like it's giving away much to say this. She gets out a vibrator and short circuits the power. Who plugs grid. in a vibrator in 2020? All vibrators are, have batteries. Yeah, I think that's that's where you could tell a. I agree. A, a gay man pushing 60 wrote this. <laughs> My God. She short-circuited the whole building because she plugged in her vibrator into the wall. And I just and I said to my daughter, you don't plug in vibrators, mate. What's going on here? Mm. And, like, and, and you wouldn't short-circuit a whole building off. Like how powerful is this vibrator? It, it would remove paint. <laughs> like it would, it would take your clit right off. It would smoosh it down to a ground nub. Like, there's no way you're using a vibrator that powerful. No. She's, a, she's a tiny little girl. She'd take off. It's crazy. She, she's like, <laughs> it would propel her through the wall. We and all also, saw Chernobyl the last year. <laughs> it's not It's not an equivalent power magnitude. It is not. And the other thing was the amazing coincidences that kept happening to her. Like how she kept like, you know, meeting these high-powered men who would just oh. be like, you can have this job, you can have this job. And the you methods get- of delivering the love interests as well. Like her constantly running up. To oh, she the, goes to the apartment underneath <laughs> Underneath hers and knocks on the door, all sweaty from her jog. And there's some oh, incredibly handsome Frenchmen. Yeah, Gabriel, Gabriel. And she just keeps running into Gabriel. And then she runs into uh, Camille, a mm. girl named Camille, who um, just, oh my God, what a small world. She becomes friends with Camille. Mm. And then it turns out Camille is Gabriel's girlfriend. Mm. she's got a massive crush on and they just all keep running into each other. It is just, it is wild, the coincidences. And Marcella's sitting there and I said, don't you believe any of this? Don't you believe that this can happen? This is like every every horny teenage girl's dream to move to a foreign country, land on your feet, get an amazing job and then move above a ridiculously hot French Mm. chef, hot friend chef, and keep running into him and then keep moving up in the world and your job, you know, and and then you become an influencer. That is a fucking wet dream of most teenage girls, most, (laughs) not all. And I just said to her, don't you believe any of this? This is not what happens in real life. And she's like, yes, it is. This is what's going to happen to me. I said, no, it's not. <laughs> You'll go it's over there and you'll be working in a <laughs> shitty pub, picking Mate. up dirty glasses and having oh. sleazy men come on to you. 100%. And the other thing is if you don't speak French, 
when you're in France, they will not give you a fucking, like, they don't care. Mm. The French do not care for people who don't speak French. There is no, they don't give you an inch. I have been there. They look at you and even if they speak English and understand it, they pretend they don't. Yes. So, she, so she's. And ma- furthermore, if you develop a diet of chocolate croissants, you will not say ballerina thin as you wander around. <laughs> she is ballerina thin. And the other thing is the boss, Sylvie, yeah. who's horrible to her openly. A sophisticated older French woman who hated the new girl would never do it to her face. She'd do it behind her back. And don't even get me started on the casting of the weird Julian Assange looking guy. I don't even understand how. I don't think I'm up to that bit. Oh, there's a, there's a guy who works at the firm who looks like Aldi Julian Assange. He's a bit of a sex pest. Oh, it's, it's a really does he ride a bike story. around? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, I have met him. Yeah. Yes, and he, he explains to Emily a sex position called the Eiffel Tower, and I'm like, oh, God. Okay, and then Emily says in, in Darren Star being woke, uh, let me educate you about the Me Too movement, but then she gets called away to a glamorous meeting and she doesn't get to educate them on the Me Too movement. <laughs> of course she does. <laughs> I have to say that the biggest thing that most, I mean, there are so many things that, have, that are not quite believable about this show, but one of the biggest things is France, uh, Paris, it, on a summer's day like the days they're filming, it, uh, it's crawling with tourists. And the number of times she goes to a beautiful vantage point of the Eiffel Tower where she has like free reign She's just at a sparsely attended bar. Let me tell you, no. Everything oh is heaving with yes! American, with Chinese tourists. Heaving. I didn't see one person in a fawn knee-high sock holding a flag, waving, looking for the rest of their <laughs> tour group. Not one gro- You're right. When I was in Paris and when I go to a country, I try very hard to blend in. Like I theme dress. Yeah. I don't refer to myself. I speak a little bit of French, so I was lucky to be there and I was trying to blend. And then you do see the tourists and you're like, ugh, Gross. But they are in these whole groups, proper bucket hats, like the whole, oh, the bucket hats. Wait till you get to the bucket hats in Emily in Paris. That's all I'm going to say. They must have got some kind of sponsorship with Kangol. That's the only <laughs> explanation. There are so many weird bucket hats with Chanel jackets, and I don't understand what Patricia Fields was trying to achieve. But you're right, there were no tourists. No. But there were also no Asian people, no Spanish people, no Indian people. No, like it was, it was yeah. a very strange world. But having said that, you should watch it. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I have been going through a phase where I am digging up 80s and 90s old uh, comforting movies. And in some ways this felt like watching something I'd seen before. 100%. It was so undemanding. It is. It's lovely. Pretty. It's pretty. The fashion's amazing. The, the French chef Gabriel is hot. She, you know what I did love? She has sex with a lot of men with no guilt, as women should be able to, yeah. as is our want. There's no kind of strange slut shaming going on. It's just part of everyday life. Her having sex with strangers, all consensual obviously, enjoying herself, enjoying it, not dwelling on it, moving on. Like for me, I loved that Marcella watched that happen. Just a, a young woman, independent woman in Paris, just shagging whoever the fuck she wants and no one blinking an eye. Everyone in France is also having an affair apparently. That was the other thing that I yeah. drew from that. Everyone has a mistress. What's the, what's the French, what's the male equivalent of a mistress? A lover. Oh, I don't know. A lover. I just went straight to poor boy, but that's not right. <laughs> anyway, having said all that, obviously I have a very complicated relationship with Emily in Paris. You should definitely watch it. It's also looking- proved that, I mean, as much as we're in the peak TV era and everyone's trying to make TV better, smarter, grander, everything like that, it's like we've lost the band of just 
mindless shows. Like we used to have before peak TV, back when it was just network TV, there would always be mindless sitcoms and things like that that could be your comfort food. And I feel like they've all drifted away, but Emily in Paris has really come back. <laughs> it's, bringing, it's bringing stupidity back. No, it's, it's not. Beautiful. It's beautiful. No, it is stupid. It's stupid beautiful. And, mm. and honestly, it's obviously what we all want right now. It is so comforting and it's so there's no one's wearing a mask, no one's wearing gloves, no one's coughing, no one's sick. Everyone's just it's it is it's perfect for right now, and I understand why people are flocking to it. And you guys should too. But just wait for the vibrator scene, <laughs> and imagine me shouting at my nearly nineteen-year-old daughter, "Vibrators don't plug in." <laughs> <laughs> now, before before you go, we did uh, talk about the top uh, psychological breakdowns. I hit the end of it on the weekend. I, I, yeah. When I feel Dan, like all of Melbourne did. You could, you could really yeah. palpably feel it on the Saturday. What did you observe? So it happened after the presser on Friday. Is that when, for me, when Dan said, we're not going to be able to do what everyone wants, you know, next Sunday, um, you know, it's, we haven't been able to reach the numbers, da, da, da. For me, it was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't take any more. Is that what your catalyst was? Uh, I felt, yeah, it was building pressure all last week because we all knew we had to hit this average and then it was some days it was looking like we might, other days it wasn't, and then by the end of the week it was very, very clear that we weren't going to hit it. And then on top of that, <laughs> there was this bit where we had our one day when Sydney was great, more numbers than us, mm. but then Sydney instantly went down to like three and we stayed stubbornly up at like 12. And so, yeah, you could feel, you felt all this apprehension about, oh my God, they're going to push the date again. They're going to push the date again. They're going to push the date again. Mm -hmm. And in actual fact, that's not quite what they said, but it's what it felt like. Mm -hmm. And, and then on top of it, it was just a, it was just a cascade. It also happened that on that Saturday, I mean, clearly congratulations, Sydney. It was obviously a lovely weekend because all of you fucking had to go to the gallery or go to some sort of open sea swimming, have your first swim of the season. Oh, there's so many many of my Sydney friends were at the beach. Like, ah, I had to get off social media. Yeah. I had to actually just get off my phone. Oh, and I, and then, yes, I had a, I had a close friend who had a baby shower, a friend who I've missed her pregnancy altogether. And so I made a virtual appearance and I just got to be sort of trotted around a Sydney, (laughs) a beautiful, sunny Sydney yard where no one was wearing a mask and everyone was making a barbecue. And yeah, the the combination of all of those things was what drove me to gin and and Steel Magnolias. Oh, you did. You were sending, and everyone would have thought I was the one watching Steel Magnolias. You were watching on Saturday night, but further depressing me by revealing we're the same age as Sally Fitz was when she shot it. Oh no, that's terrifying, isn't it? We're Malin. We're not Shelby. No, We're Malin. Exactly. But the other thing is, here's my theory, right? Because I did put on Instagram, I'm just done. I'm done. And Catherine Andrews does follow me. And maybe, <laughs> maybe Dan's wife, Catherine Andrews, saw my post and she's like, I think M's the barometer for a lot of people. And maybe she said to Dan over there late night red on Saturday night, babe. I think tomorrow at the presser you need to give them some hope because on Sunday morning he gave us some hope, didn't he? He did. Although the only thing that he absolutely did and, and, and he pretty much confirmed, you know, the 5K rule and, the and you know, you'd be able to, like, visit your family and everything like that, which was a great relief. But uh, I actually think that they – that he was always saying they would lift some restrictions. It was just all the newspaper headlines after the first one said Melbourne will be kept in lockdown. Melbourne's hopes crushed yeah. is how they. But uh, you know, maybe that's nice. I mean, I mean, it would be pretty remarkable if you know he's ignored every front page of a Murdoch yeah. paper. He's ignored yeah. communal letters written by eighty-seven doctors who have got together to talk about the psychological toll. Yeah. But one, 
Late yeah. Night Post by M. Rossiano. I think so. I think finally so. Finally shifted state government mm. emergency policy. I think so. My ego knows no bounds, guys. Don't worry about that. Uh, I think that's what it is. I think Kath saw it and she's like, oh, shit. Okay. Dan, we need to have a chat. It, I do think it is true that there comes a certain point and albeit that it might be smarter to keep us like this for just a bit longer in the hopes that it might be eradicated or whatever, I, there comes a certain point that I <laughs> that I think it's almost impossible to keep people. Mate, I'm, I'm telling you, if next Sunday he doesn't get rid of the 5K and allow us to see more people outdoors, it's just going to happen anyway. I feel like people are going to be like, what are you going to do, mass arrest people? I think there's going to be a revolt. I think there's going to be civil war in Melbourne if that doesn't happen. I honestly do. The temperature, it's simmering and it's about to boil over. I can sense it. You even you sense it out on the streets, don't you? You oh, sense totally. the cray. The yeah. cray, it, dripping with cray. Yeah, absolutely. And the undercurrent of FOMO of every, all the other states <laughs> starting to go into their summer mm. You know, once once we're in October, where like the rest of the country starts to get looking very summery, <laughs> they pull out their rosé and they go to the beach and tell you what, oh, it stings, it stings. Let's hope. Let's hope. Let's hope. All right, good. Uh, let's chat later in the week. Yes, we will. Okay, go Thanks, stay bye. strong. Bye. <laughs> this is Emsolation. All right, that's it. That's all we have time for. Thank you so much for giving us your ears. We'll be doing another Dilemma Doctors this week. If you've got a problem, if you've got a problem you'd like us to solve, you can email hello at emraciano.com and, um, you know, let us have a go at it. Have a great few days until we speak again. I'm, it's a beautiful sunshiny day here. I'm up looking at the sun. It's nice upstairs in the – my house is clean. I did like a – I did like a – anxiety clean of my house i don't know for some reason it just makes me feel better if things are ordered my brain feels less chaotic if my shoes are all like in color-coded alphabetical order (laughs) so i did that so the house is clean is one thing i don't have to do um but yeah have a great day whatever you're doing and i'll talk to you later in the week kitties bye